afternoon. Apostle Lewis here for Lewis DeSiena podcast. Yes, we have rebranded the name, just put everything under Lewis DeSiena Ministries. Um, so great that you're with us. I'm glad you can find us on all the platforms. If you're watching us online, then you can look us up at iTunes and Google and all that stuff, and we are there. So God bless you for being with us. Uh, I wanted to talk uh, today about a concept called discipleship and why it is so lacking in the church, which is leading to the deterioration of the church. And, you know, something that I don't think um, we talk a lot about. And for most people nowadays, we're, I have this conversation with ministers who are greatly concerned that what they see is, um, you know, you prayed a prayer, you're now in the club. And because of that, everything's hunky-dory, because you prayed a prayer. A prayer, by the way, that's not in Scripture, um, where we were supposed to confess our faith. And our faith was supposed to be confessed in a manner of um, we are uh, baptized into Christ. And you'll see that they did this. That It wasn't enough, even for the centurion with Peter in the book of Acts, he says, see, there's water. What's forbidding me to be baptized? Because baptism was your confession of faith, not a prayer. So, um, yes, with the heart one believes, with the mouth one confesses that Jesus is Lord. This is true. But it goes beyond that. So I want to talk to you about being a disciple of Christ. And I think that um, for too many Christians... Um, they have really not been taught about being a disciple um, of Christ. They, 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 they more or less get taught about, you know, being a church member, being a Christian, and all these things are wonderful and good to some extent, but they, they're lacking in their fullness of what, um, the Lord has actually uh, desires for us and what we should be uh, striving for. Now, uh, what does it mean to be a true disciple? What does it mean to be uh, a follower of Christ? What does it mean to actually lay your life on the line for Jesus versus us just creating a... Um, you know, I, I get this a lot. Trust me when I say this, that I I get a lot of pushback uh, from some people when it comes to discipleship. And the reason I think is because it has it has this notion that there should be discipline in your life. And there should be. That's the thing that we have to greatly um um greatly get back to is that part of um, us walking with Christ, we should be having an honest conversation about, are we living for Christ properly? And I think that that is tough for a lot of people because that automatically in their life is a feeling of condemnation maybe and that's not the goal here to bring any condemnation on you the goal is uh really that 
we understand the cost of discipleship and what that looks like and what that what that means. And it's difficult because I, I face this um, challenge a lot um, with a lot of people because um, for a lot of people, discipleship's an, an option. And so what happens to a lot of people is they um, uh, willingly um, avoid the thoughts of discipleship. So without putting any condemnation, without, um, well, any of that, I really just want to um, talk about the things that Jesus said about being a disciple, because I think that that is important, because Jesus's level of, are you his disciple, was a lot deeper than our level of disciple. You know, Jesus had a whole different level of what it meant to be a disciple of his versus what the church might say will get you to heaven. And, and, I, and I get that to some degree, but I don't agree with it in the sense of, um, we are to be sold out for Christ. I, I don't know any other um, uh, any other way to say it than are we sold out wholeheartedly for Christ? Are we willing to sell ourselves for God into his hands and say, you know, what you want of me is the best, and so I'm going to sell out to you. So let's just go through some scriptures of Jesus talking about discipleship. And um, and we'll take these slow and just look at them. It's a very interesting topic because churches will tell you this is what you have to do to be a member. How many actually says say this is what you have to do to be a disciple of Christ? Think about that for a second. Next time that someone tells you to, you know, um, this is what you have to do. Okay. Um, Jesus goes through this really scary scenario in Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in the synagogues. You will be brought before governors and kings for my name's sake, as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how you or what you shall speak. For I will for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. Now brother will deliver up brother to death, and father is child, and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. Listen to that. But he who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute in the city, flee to another. For as surely I say to you, you will not have gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple disciple, that he be like his teacher and a servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more were they called those of his household? 
Therefore, do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. That's a really interesting, you know, um, statement by the Lord. I mean, he's basically telling us, <laughs> you know, we're going to be persecuted. And I know this is tough, but um, Jesus is inviting us into this journey with him, you know, of come on in and live, live in my world. So Jesus got in another place. Matthew 16, 24, Jesus says this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. It's a very interesting passage, right? So we have another one, and I'm just gonna, I'm just going over these. And you know, the 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 story of uh the rich man. You know, Jesus counseled the young rich, the rich young ruler, and tells him to sell all and follow me. His disciples you know, are watching this, and Jesus says in, in Matthew 19, 23. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Assuredly I say to you, that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When his disciples, his disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said to them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Then Peter answered and said to him, See, we have left all and followed you. Therefore, what shall we have? So Jesus said to them, Assuredly I say to you, that in the, re in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who follow have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mothers or wife or children, or lands for my namesake shall receive a hundredfold and a inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. Very interesting little passage there, huh? Do you, do you find that interesting as I do? I, I do. I find that very complexing that, you know, to be the disciple of Christ— a lot of people come to Jesus and they fall in this trap that Jesus is there for them, but they're not fully sold out to Jesus. And so they're always holding back. Well, if God does this, then I'll believe. But if he doesn't, I'm not going to believe. You're not sold out. It might be a true statement, but the truth is you're not sold out. You might not like that, but that is the truth. And that's you know, that truth you need to hear because you need to know that there is no compromise availability with God. He doesn't, he doesn't give us the opportunity of compromise and say it's okay. 
Matter of fact, Hebrews says, him who puts his hand to the plow and draws back, he has no pleasure in. So God doesn't want to, God makes no room for that. God doesn't sit there and say, compromise is okay. Um, verse 25 of Luke 14. Now great multitudes went with him, and he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brother and sisters. Yes, his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Now, what is Jesus saying? Does he want you to hate your mother if I know? Because he wants you to love. He's saying like, the love of God, the love you have for Jesus has to go so beyond the love for your wife, your kids. Because if it's not, you will compromise. You will obey them over God. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be his disciple. So we already have two of these. These are lovely statements of Jesus. There's two requirements. To forsake all, all our family and friends and to uh, pick up our cross. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost? whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, and all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish it. Or what king? Going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him coming against him with 20,000, or else while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and ask for conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. That's a real stunning statement of Jesus, isn't it? And, and again, I think that a lot of people have a watered-down version um, of what a disciple means. See, a disciple is someone who learns from someone else. Um, the, the word disciple, um, well, let me just do it here, uh, is, uh, I'm going to really screw this up, but it's, uh, I'm going to say matetes. I don't know if that's right. Mathetes. Uh, it, it's, it's a learner, a pupil, thus a disciple. And you break it down, the word means to learn in a way. In any way, it says, but really means to learn. So in other words, you can be a disciple of the church. You can be a disciple of, of uh, a professor in school. You can be a disciple of a baseball player, football player, an athlete, and they can teach you, and you can become their disciple. And that's not evil in any way. But when it comes to being a Christian, who are you a disciple of? And why does God give us spiritual fathers so that they can teach us? That's why Paul wrote, as a spiritual father, you have 10,000 instructors, but you don't have many fathers. Why? Because fathers disciple. They discipline. The church doesn't. The church, you know, um, especially big churches, they don't know who's in there. They don't know anybody. They know about 10% of the people, Right? And no one really knows their life. But when you're a disciple, God knows everything. When you're, when you're, when you're, and so Paul puts this into, into terms because 
as a spiritual father, I'm not Jesus, obviously. He says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Learn from me what I've learned from God. Learn from me what I've learned from him. How many Christians have fully gone after learning from the Lord? Learning what the Lord has for us. Learning what the Lord would uh, teach us in any given moment. And we have so watered down what it means to be a Christian that there's no discipleship at all. It's just, have you prayed a prayer? Well, bam, you're a Christian. Jesus says that's like laying the foundation and not counting the cost to finish it. That is only the beginning. And people will mock you because you say you're a Christian, but you have not built up the house. What is a house? That's you. Your house has not been built up on that foundation with any significant evidence that it was done in the wisdom of God. And we have to get back to discipleship for a reason. Okay, why do we have to get back for that? Because our problem with the lack of discipleship is that everyone believes his own thing. No one can be rebuked. And there is no sense of uh, integrity in the church. It's not just for ministers to walk godly. It's for all people to walk godly. We are his body. We are all supposed to come to the maturity of the faith and the fullness and the full stature of Christ. And if we don't start doing that, no one's getting there. Now, God will be honored and he will be glad that I've seeked it. But as a leader, I am supposed to lead other people in that same truth. And so it's important that we, we begin to seek out um, and be discipled again. And it's something that, uh, you know, I have a lot of spiritual kids, um, and, and I have my own kids. And seeking discipleship and learning the ways of Christ is important. It's, you know, it's not enough just to read the Word. I, I, I heard today on the radio only 9% of Christians read the word daily. 9%. 9. That means 91% of the people, the, the holy word of God is not important to them. And don't be fooled. You could still end up in hell. That's my attitude. Don't be fooled by that. Don't, don't wait until you have a crisis to seek him. Seek him why he may be found. Begin to start reading. And I, 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 someone asked me, how do you press in? How do you get it? How do you get that back? How do you get yourself? I said, number one, you get, you seek God with discipline. And that means you set time. You set, hey, every morning I'm going to get up. The first thing I'm going to do is read the Bible. You set systems like that up and you create. And people go, no, I just got to be free flow. No, you do this to create a discipline. As you create that discipline, you'll find that going beyond that is much easier, okay? Because you're going beyond that mere simple state of that, amen? We'll talk about this maybe next week. We'll do a part two on discipleship. Uh, by the way, you go to lewisdcn.com. I do have an audio, I think, there. I'm not sure if I do online. If not, I might just put it up there. The cost of discipleship. It might be a really good series for me to do again. I did it years ago, but I think I only have that one on audio. 
So we'll see what we can do about that. Maybe we'll redo a series on the cost of discipleship because I think that you'd be amazed that it is in the scriptures. So God bless you and you have a great day. Bye-bye.